0: Introductions to Vedanta texts by Shri Shri Sachidhananda Indra Saraswati Swamiji, Holay Narasipura, Karnataka, India. In this lecture series, we have already seen 13 sessions. Today is the 14th session. Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om Shri Ganesha Yanamaha Dr. Krishnamurthy Shastri Dambayapuna Chabantwala Thalakudu Kshinakandrajalli, Karnataka, Bharata. Panchapadika Prasthanam Introduction Vedantic Absolutism obscured by later commentators. After the traditional absolutism had been placed on a firm footing by Godopadacharya and especially by his grand disciple Shankaracharya, the ancient rival schools were almost all supplanted and the system held on for some time unchallenged in the field of Indian philosophy innate tendency of the human mind however soon asserted itself and advaita vedanta succumbed to the inroads of realism in the garb of advaita itself thus time it was uh, this time it was not a full fledged rival system that attacked the traditional school but two different systems that reconciled themselves to occupy the subordinate position of supplying critical expositions called Tikas of Shankara Shankarabhashya so that they might infuse their own doctrines subtly into the dominant philosophy. This artifice was so very successful that the original system soon became inextricable from the teachings of these two rivals and in some respects even mutually opposed to schools and today Vedantins are no wise disc- Concert, concerted to accept both of them as forming part and parcel of shankara sadvaita. the idea is that there are no doubt about uh, no doubt some differences of opinion regarding certain doctrines relating to empirical truths but these are to, due to the different means of approach employed to reveal the nature of reality and do not matter at all so long as both the sub-schools are in perfect agreement about the nature of the absolute the critical student of Advaita is thus inevitably thrown into a state of perplexity as to what exactly is the system of Shankara. Whether that great thinker actually agrees with this or that school or has a system of his own distinct from both continues to be an unsolved enigma to this day. The Scope of the Present Work Panchapadika. A vast amount of Advaitic literature has grown up around the original works of these two branches called the Panchapatika and Bhamati respectively. There have appeared numerous original works, sub-commentaries and manuals, each supporting the doctrines of its own tradition and controverting those of writers in the other camp. Panchapatika, in particular has a brilliant exposition of Atmāyati, called Vivarana, which has almost cast the original work into shade, so much so that this school now usually goes by the name of the Vivarana school after this famous work. It is Panchapadika in particular that I have undertaken to examine in order to see how far the teachings of this subcommentary are in consonance with those of the Bhashya, Shankar the schools of which Panchapadika and Bhamati actually owe their allegiance. I have already shown very briefly in my introduction to Vedanta, Prakriya, Pratyabhijna how both the sub-schools differ from Shankara, but my sole aim in that work was to clarify my position that all writers on Vedanta except Gaudapada, Shankara and Sureshwara have failed to recognize the only genuine method of Vedanta. The object of the present thesis is to show in detail how the uh, originators of both these sub-schools professing to follow Shankara really owe their allegiance to different ancient schools of Vedanta quite distinct from Shankara and it variance with it in many respects. That Vajaspati Mishra, the founder of Bhamati tradition, has actually glossated on Mandana's Brahma Siddhi from which he has freely borrowed and displayed many doctrines and even technical words. Bhatim quotations or adaptations therefore in Bhamati is too patent to be denied. Detailed substantiation of this allegation has to be reserved for another occasion. This Mishra's predecessor, the author of the Panchapadika, on the other hand, has doctrines foreign and even opposed to Shankaras to prove which we have to rely only on textual criticism but can trace them to no particular creatize of any school so far known from a causal illusion found in the brahma siddhi however we can gather that this school which takes avidya to be the material cause of the universe was still flourishing independently during mandana's time for he writes tathachoktam avidyopadana bhedavadi vihi Ana, dira, prayo, jana, cha, vidya, iti, the supporters of the theory that avidya is the material cause of the manifold. Ever that, avidya is beginning, beginningless and serves no teleological purpose. The Panchapadika and its author. Panchapadika literally consisting of five padhas is actually a fragmentary work containing the discussion of Shankara's Sutra Bhashya on the first four sutras of Badarayana. There are indeed evident indications in the um, portion of the work available that the author actually proposed to comment upon the whole of the Bhāṣya, but diligent search so far made has not succeeded in unearthing anything beyond the Tika on the catas- uh, Chatusutri portion. Poetical works called Shankara Vijayas ascribe the work to Padmabhad Acharya the direct disciple of Shankara but no trustworthy evidence internal or external has been so far reduced by any scholar to ratify this tradition nor do we have any reliable information about any other work safely ens- uh, ensignable to the author. In his foreword to the English translation of Panchapadika, Sri B. Bhattacharya, general editor of the gayakwad's Oriental series, writes that the second work attributed to Padmapada is Atma Bodha Vyakhyana, also called the Vedanta Sara, but that work is neither widely known nor published yet. Nor can we be sure of the identity of the author of certain Tantric works attributed to Padmapada by tradition. Indeed, we have to make sure in the first place that the Panchapadika is genuinely from the pen of Padmapada, the direct disciple of Shankara, before we hazard any further judgment respecting the author of the work. The Aim and Upshot of the Present inquiry, inquiry. I have already stated that the main object of inquiry instituted in the present work is to show that Panchapadika really represents altogether a different school of Vedanta while it covertly possesses, poses to be a sub-commentary on a work propounding Vedantic absolutism. I am quite aware that I am liable to be charged with uh, sacrilege and blasphemy by the orthodox admirers of a book now universally uh, ascribed to a holy personage the great Padmapada himself but I owe it to myself to declare openly before the earnest students of Shankara Vedanta that we should be guilty of a greater sacrilege when we impute to the sacred names of the universally respected Shankara and Godapada repositories of genuine Vedantic tradition doctrines which they would indignantly repudiate and under any circumstances being convinced as I am of the disparity and even mutual opposition of these two Systems, I have not hesitated to place them before my readers in their true perspective and to disclose how we have been deceiving ourselves all these days that the one is really an interpretation of the other. It is high time that we cease stifling our conscious and boldly recognized the distinctive features of the mutually exclusive sets of teachings as such. Two systems that are as poles asunder i have summarized the cardinal tenets of each of these schools in the samskrita introduction so that one can see at a glance how set against each other they would visibly exhibit their diametrically opposite nature it will be sufficient here to call attention to the fundamental differences differences in the very viewpoints from which they judge things in the first place Shankara says that the final intuition of brahman results from a rational Coordination of partial intuitions Universal intuition being taken here as the one source of Vedantic knowledge. Knowledge arising from the Shruti texts like that though are is immediate intuition of an existent fact which can never be doubted or denied. Vaditum सिद्धव, According to Panchapadika, however, doubt is possible even in the case of direct knowledge of Atman and reason may, way, may have to be called in to rescue this knowledge from insecurity, In the second place, Shankara is sure that final knowledge arising from listening to the Vedantic text being of the nature of ultimate intuition, identical with Brahman or one's own self, takes one to the final goal itself and there remains nothing more to be achieved. Sarvodukha vinirmukta, Anyat whereas the author of the believes that repeated contemplation of that knowledge, has got to be practiced before direct realization. Sakshatkarha accrues to the aspirant. Thirdly, while according to Shankara, Atman or the self being an immediacy. Self established needs no proof for establishing its existence. the author of the Tika grants that even the immediateness of one's own self may be questioned. Again, Shankara thinks that the validity of Atman arising from listening to Vedantic texts like that though are can never be questioned since it is the final intuition of the non-dual Atman the author of the tika falls back upon the theological postulate that the veda being no product of the human mind is as valid a source of knowledge concerning an existent entity as it is in the case of injunctions of rituals. Finally, for Shankara, Avidya is only the mutual superimposition of the self and the non-self. Superimposition being understood to mean no more than mistaking one thing for another, as for instance taking knacker for silver. This ignorance, of course, need not be proved, for it is recognized to be such as uh, such as soon as pointed out being within the experience of all of us Sarvaloka Pratyaksha For the author of Panchapadika, however, avidya is an undefinable inert potentially potentiality of ignorance which clings to the very being of both the self and the external things capable of transforming itself into an illusory object like the neck silver or the rope snake This avidya must be presumed to cling to the being of external things, as otherwise we cannot account for the origin of illusory objects, and in the case of the individual soul, we have to postulate this avidya on the strength of srutis which declare the identity of the soul with brahman. How else could we explain the absence of the knowledge of this identity except by supposing that avidya envelopes the brahmic effulgent effulgent nature of the individual self? It is obvious that Shankara's is a rational system based upon universal intuition and vidya and avidya in his scheme of arguments are quite intelligible to all who are familiar with the antipathy between knowledge and error in everyday life. The system offered by the writer of Panchapadika, on the other hand, speculates on the basis of a hypothetical avidya-presumed just to account for the appearance of illusory phenomena by a series of controvertible arguments with a view to justify the theological dogma that knowledge of Brahman destroys the world of duality of which the postulated avidya is the material cause. Who can deny, with such sharp differences of doctrines starting one in the face, that the so-called Panchapādika Vivarana School offers us a conglomeration of teachings actually pertaining to different and discordant systems somehow fused into one. I have tried to array a number of quotations from the Sutra Bhasha in the body of the present work and some more from Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita in the appendix as against each discrepant doctrine of Panchapādika not only to reveal how antipathetic the later, is to the general trend of Shankara's thought, but also to accumulate and present the many passages scattered in the various bhashyas on each particular subject so that they may serve as a source of ready reference to the earnest student of Shankara. In the course of this critical study of Panchapadika, I have sometimes reduced passages culled from Vivarana, Ishtasiddhi, Sankshepashariraka and Bhamati as well insofar as they have any bearing on certain important topics discussed. I trust that these illustrations will be useful not only to convince oneself with about the divergent and highly conflicting nature of the post Shankara doctrines on particular subjects, but also to serve the purpose of a healthy stimulus to the study of development of Vedantic thought. An appeal to pundits and professors. Lastly, if I have succeeded in some measure in bringing home to the intellectuals the disharmony which ruins the Supreme in the realm of the present day Advaita Vedanta owing to the indiscriminate admixture of Shankara and Post Shankara doctrines. I shall have been amply recom. Uh, it is like Atma and Anatma mixture. This is Shankara and Post Shankara commentaries. Hmm? I shall have been amply recom uh, recompensed for my effort. So we should have Viveka uh, for differentiation. We have we should have judgment between this Satya and Mitya, truth and false. I earnestly appeal to all scholars, Vedanta, pandits as well as university professors, who may happen to be persuaded in this direction to make an earnest effort to see that Shankara's original system and the varieties of teachings contained in the sub-commentaries, such as Panchapatika, Vivarana Abhāmati or any other, are not mixed up in teaching, so as to allow Advaita Vedanta to continue a mere part of of in- uh, coherent ideas. Teachers of Vedanta in the public or private institutions would be really doing a great service to the co- uh, cause of Advaita, or even Vedanta in general for that matter. If they immediately set about making united efforts in influencing and educational authorities to take active steps to adopt these syllables so that the original system of Shankara may be studied in its pristine purity, before attempts are made to take up the developments in the sub-commentary. So, this ends the 14th session in uh, Introductions to Vedanta Text by Shri Shri Sachidhananda Swami Swamiji Hari Rama. Shri Shri Sachidhananda Sarasudhi Swamiji Charanaravindar Pithamastu on Onrathchadakaradha.